0: That's a
1: another episode of Dawri, the Saudi football podcast. A special episode as well, by the way, as we discuss the start of the AFC Asian Cup taking place in Qatar and look forward to Roberto Mancini's Green Falcons making their tournament bow against Oman. Uh, with me as always is Arab News sports editor Ali Khaled to discuss the latest action while Khaled al arafa gives us the latest from the Saudi camp as usual. Probably one of my favourite bits of the show where we get to go inside and see what's happening. Uh, we also cast a quick eye on the results of the Arab teams at the Africa Cup of Nations in the Ivory Coast. Ali, exciting stuff on the international front uh, for lovers of Arab, Asian and African football. And may I just add, goalkeepers making last-minute datas in private taxis and planes to get there. It's a real case of planes, trains and automobiles. Hi, Pete. Yeah, good to be back. And uh, yeah, great
0: start. You know, this is a great time for, uh, um, you know, People who love football, as you said, African and Asian football. Um, you know, we know all the big tournaments, the World Cup and the Euros. Usually get all the you know far more attention and mm-hmm. all that. Uh, so this is our time. We really enjoy this, and um, you'll see that with our special guest today as well. One of the experts on absolutely uh, football as well. Uh, so um, yeah, we're uh, you know very very exciting. I mean, we'll get to obviously in details. We'll get to uh, um, the Asian uh, Cup. Um, yeah, it's been interesting start for the uh, African nations as well. You know, one, one, you know, we've been keeping close eye on Egypt. We've been talking about Mo Salah. You know, is this his time? Uh, you, know, you know, will he finally get to, uh, you know, lead Egypt uh, to uh, to a title? Uh, they had a massive scare against Mozambique. They were they were leading one nil. Then not the were, greatest not, start, was it? No, no, they not at all. And they were seconds away from losing. They were 2-1 two, two, down, going to stoppage time. And then uh, a, a Salah penalty saved them. But, uh, yeah, not a great start for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, listen. Our, our focus is on uh, is on mostly on the Asian Cup, of course, in the region. Uh, Saudi Arabia kick off their campaign on uh, against Oman at Khalifa International Stadium. Expectations are high for Mancini's men. Uh, mm-hmm. Saudi have not won the title since 1996 in, in the Emirates. Uh, it was against the UAE in the final. Uh, but you know, th- this is seemingly a bit of a golden age, or the start of a golden age for Saudi football. The, the, the the clubs are doing extremely well in the AFC Champions League, all four clubs in the knockout stages. We know what's happening in the league with all the players coming in uh, from Europe. Um, you know, Al-Hilal have been very successful uh, continentally and obviously Saudi, you know, played really well in the World Cup, although didn't they didn't qualify. So, um, you know, a lot of people would be expecting to challenge, but we know, you know, the probably the two strongest teams in in Asia now, um, and two of the top teams in the world really are Japan and South Korea. So it's going to be tough. Uh, um, and also, look, I mean, you know, on Monday, Mancini dropped a bit of a bombshell in his press conference uh, when he said that he will only <laughs> pick players who want to fight for Saudi. Uh, you know, in essence, blaming Salman Al Faraj of Al Hilal and al Nasr duo of Sultan Al Naim and goalkeeper. Uh, uh, Al-Aqidi for their omission from the squad really an explosive statement so close to, uh, to the opening I'm not sure it was warranted or it's, it does uh, anyone any favours but uh, uh, for me particularly on Al-Faraj you know, a, a beloved player a fantastic player, a captain for so many years um, and you know it's, I don't know, just brings a bit of negativity ju- just ahead of, of the match uh, but you know, look, I mean, you know Mancini, we we know uh we know his style. He's straight talking, and can
1: I ask you a quick um, question on that, Ali? I mean, sure. obviously, as as sports editor of 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 Arab News, you know, but as a football fan as well. And we touched, if you remember, a couple of weeks back on this very podcast, uh, we had a, a fantastic guest in in Andrew Naji, and we talked about players being more, uh, so we say, in the fans love their players. coaches can be expendable we've seen that we've seen that in our region we've seen that from the game so just you know just touching on that that's a very uh, it's a very fine line to be walking to criticise beloved heroes of a a team yeah
0: it it is it is I mean it's uh, you know I think it's obviously you know Salman Al-Faraj, you know, he's not in the squad. Uh, and I mean, I, I mentioned Salman Al-Faraj more than the other two you know, just because of his status yeah. in the Saudi game. He's not in the squad. Right so I think it's too late, too late for him in uh, in the tournament. You know, had he been chosen and then maybe like sidelined and all that, you know, could, could have like maybe caused even more problems. But um, uh, you yeah, know, I, I agree. I think you know, you know, if you if you take such a hard line with like with heroes, as you say, and you know, a lot of the time it can be warranted. But if it's not, you know, you're you're you know you're setting yourself up uh, for criticism if things don't work mm-hmm. out. So, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. You know, uh, uh, yeah. it's been a bit secretive the the squad uh, in in the in the, in the sense that you know they played the, the friendlies behind closed doors. We haven't really had much uh, to go on on those. Uh, but our man Khaled has been Khaled Laraf has been keeping an eye on the, the squad. Um, you know, we, you know, we spoke to him earlier, and, and well, this is what he had to say about the Saudi preparations
2: hi ali hi peter how are you guys so just before the kickoff of the asian cup in qatar the saudi camp ended with the last two matches they played against palestine on the 9th of uh, january and then the match was 0-0 no goals but witnessed a red card for Salem at dosari and then they played just the next day they played another match against hong kong that match was better than the first one they won 2-0 uh First goal was uh, the first half by Adrachman Gharib, the player of Al-Nasr. And then the second half, Fawaz Sgur, a shababi player, scored the second goal. As I mentioned before, we don't have a lot of information about these uh, matches because of an order from Mancini. He said no covered. He doesn't want the TV channels to cover these matches. Uh, media weren't allowed to enter the matches. well. We just get the information from the media office of the Saudi national team. Now the camp is over. It wasn't really bad. We're just waiting until the 16th of this month to see the match, their first official match in the Asian Cup against Oman. And then we'll see how was the camp. That's, that's going to be the real beginning start for Mancini. I'll get back to you after that match and hopefully you guys will enjoy the Asian Cup. Back to you, Ali.
1: Thanks to Khaled Al-Arafa, as usual, for that. Uh, Ali, the fancy teams have performed well. Um... No major surprises thus far.
0: No, no that's right, Peter. Um, unlike the last uh, World Cup, the 2022 World Cup, you know, Qatar actually kicked off the tournament this time with an impressive performance, beating uh, Lebanon three 0 We all remember how bad it went for them uh, uh, at the World Cup. Uh, uh, and look, you know, there was a lot of criticism for their two main stars, uh, Akram Afif and al uh, in in at the World Cup. Probably they were two worst players at the World Cup, but they played really well uh, this time around. Uh, the team played well. And Afif, and uh, you know, uh, scored twice, Almoyaz Ali scored once. Um, it's always a good start, you know, w- w- whether you spoke out or not, you know, if if the, if the host nations are doing well, sets the tournament up nicely, it energizes everyone on the ground. And um, yeah, there's always interest in the home team. Uh, also in in that Group A, China and uh, Tajikistan drew 0-0. In Group B, Australia, who we all remember also had a great World Cup uh, and only lost to, you know, the champions, um, uh, got knocked out by the champions. Uh, you know, we, we expected them to beat India and they did 2-0 uh, to take the early uh, lead in the group. Uh, you know, Uzbekistan and Syria drew 0-0. That's not a bad point for Syria, Peter. We've been talking Great about point. the Arab nations, you know. Um, uh, Uzbekistan are quite, uh, um, um, you know, formidable or can be a formidable team. You know, like, quite strong. And I think for Syria, you know, we, we spoke about like one win, Will be uh, possibly enough to uh, uh, take it into the next round, and uh, they will, you know, they already got one point, and they would think that they will, they will focus on that India game as one that they can, they can win and, and qualify to the round of 16.
1: You'd absolutely think that they would target that as a win. Uh, Four points would be an absolutely marvellous return. So, uh, Syrian colours firmly on for that one. Uh, Ali, would you say the results for the Arab team so far have been part of the course as you you expect it to play out?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, you know... uh yeah the group c saw a 3-1 win for the uae over hong kong good result uh you know they 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 came they came into the tournament you know in the last few months uh, uh with bento uh paulo bento you know the the team has done well and there's a bit of confidence about the uae i don't think they're uh you know will be quite in that top tier favorites uh, uh teams as they were probably were you know obviously in 2015 and and when they played at home um uh, uh, 2019 but you know, they're uh, maybe that's not a bad thing, not to have too much expectations, but, you know, they, they did quite well. Um, and uh, But, you know, it's a very strong Iran team that lead the table uh, after, uh, you know, winning 4-1 at Education City State. They beat Palestine 4-1 at... Um, and that's, you know, we we knew, obviously, Iran would probably be the, the toughest team in, in that group. So, um, but yeah, I mean, good start for the UAE. Another Arab team... Uh, Golf champions Iraq, uh, you know, got that all important first win we keep talking about after beating Indonesia three-one in Group D. Uh, uh, but again, in that group, Japan, many people's favorite for the title, showed why. Yeah, with a four-two win over Vietnam, what a team they are! You know, Japan are just absolutely brilliant. You know, um, uh, uh, if you remember, Matt Monahan last year said they're like. They are just globally probably the best team of 2023. So that's uh, the calibre of the team we're talking about. Um, you know, the, the other highly fa- uh, fancy team, South Korea, beat, beat Bahrain. You know, one of, obviously, again, the, uh, the 10 Arab nations. They beat them 3-1. Uh, There's better news for the other Arab team in the, in the group, Jordan, who comprehensively beat uh, Malaysia 4-0. Uh, Starman, Musa Al-Tamari, scored two of those. Uh, he's been in superb form for Montpellier in, in France this season. So, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's keep an eye on him, you know, like one of the stars I think could be. Um And, you know, which brings us to group F, which, uh, you know, as Khaled mentioned earlier, Saudi kick off their campaign against Oman in an all Arab, all GCC clash uh, with Thailand wow. and-, and Kazakhstan uh, meeting the uh, other fixture. So all eyes on Mancini's men for, for, um, you know, for, so, you know, Saudi fans for part uh, you know, golf fans, Arab fans, shall we say, Uh you know, they certainly, I would say, are the most highly rated of the Arab nations, of the 10 Arab nations. But as, but as we said, they will come up against some really formidable team in South Korea, uh, Japan and
1: Australia. Fantastic. As always, Ali, I mean, you know, we're so fortunate on this show that to get the information that we do and the insight. And that's the time for my drum roll and the perfect time to bring the man who knows all about Asian football into it. Um, it's the one and only Paul Williams of the Asian Game website and podcast. Paul, welcome back. Thanks for having me, guys. Paul, uh, good to have you back, uh, mate.
0: And uh, first off, I've got to say congratulations to Australia. Uh, you know, uh, for your your win. I'm sure you're happy with that. Uh, so tell us about you know, obviously how um, you know how it's been received uh, back home, and also just your general uh, uh, views on the opening days of the tournament.
3: I'll start with the the tournament first. I, uh, you, we, you mentioned it in your your introduction there. There hasn't been any surprises as such in terms of the results. There's been no shock upsets or anything like that so far. But I, has, I do think it's been a really solid start to the tournament. I agree with what you said about Qatar. It's always good when the hosts get an early win and set the momentum going. But I think while we haven't had necessarily the the shock result. I think some of the performances along the way have been have been really pleasing. Uh, Vietnam, what they were able to do in that first half against Japan, in particular to take the lead against Japan, nobody saw that coming. You, you spoke about the strength of this Japanese side. We know how strong this Japanese side is. They're heavy favourites for a reason, Um for Vietnam to go and, and take the lead against Japan in, in the first half. No one saw that coming, so full credit to them. Uh, the match between Indonesia and Iraq last night for me has been the match of the tournament so far. It was just 90 minutes of end-to-end action, fantastic atmosphere from the Iraqi and Indonesian fans. Um, and, and Indonesia gave as good as they got. It was a 3-1 scoreline that looks somewhat easy for... For Iraq, but it was it was anything but. I mean, Indonesia had their chances to to equalise, to take the lead, um, but just missed a little bit of quality in the, the final third. But they threw punches at Iraq and and they hit a couple of times, and they showed what they're capable of. So there's been some really pleasing performances, even if we haven't had the uh, the upset result. And in India for a half, you know, um, frustrated Australia that for India to get to half-time at nil all was a, a massive. Result for them. Australia did what you would expect them to do in the second half and and came out with, uh, with a 2-0 win, but it was far from a, a polished performance from Australia. I think they'd be expecting a lot more um, in the next couple of games because Syria and Uzbekistan are going to present a much sterner challenge.
0: Yeah, I mean, Paul, you you mentioned there, uh, you know, obviously you're talking about uh, last night's match, uh, Iraq and Indonesia, uh, India. Uh, you know, I think the days, would you say like the days when, you know, the, the big big boys, shall we say, would rock up and, you know, get four, five, six goals, you know, as expected, are these gone? Do you see like the gap closing, uh, you know, with every tournament?
3: It's a good question. Um, and it's something I've been giving some consideration to as to whether the gap is closing. I, I do think it is definitely... Closing, I think that middle bunch of teams. There's there's more nations that are um, becoming involved in that sort of second tier. Japan and Korea are are probably streets ahead at the moment in terms of the quality that they've got on the pitch. But um, you know, football's played on grass; it's not played on paper. So while they have the best squads on paper, as we saw against Vietnam and even Bahrain against you know South Korea last night as well, um, you know they could th- There are nations all across Asia that can compete and challenge on their day. I mean, if this was a league season across 38 games, you know, they'd probably struggle. But on a one-off game, anything can happen. And and we've seen that um, on occasion. So I think that the the gap is closing. I think the the bottom of Asia, if I can put it like that, is certainly improving. Um, The the top end is improving as well. But I think we're, we're getting more and more nations that are certainly competitive that can compete with that top level.
0: Great. And Paul, I mean, uh, Peter just called uh, the results of the Arab nations par the course. Uh, you know, from obviously Saudi haven't played yet, but like with the, the other Arab nations, would you agree with that? Would you think that, you know, we've, what we've seen so far is kind of what we've expected from those teams?
3: I would. I mean, the Arab teams are always incredibly difficult to to play against, um, particularly for teams from from East and Southeast Asia that find it difficult to travel to this part of the world. So I think the results that we've seen are certainly par for the course. I think some of the performances, as you said, the UAE got a three one win over Hong Kong. They'd probably be expecting a slightly better performance overall, but they got the win, and that's the important thing. It's about building through. A tournament, not necessarily, you know, starting like a house on fire. Um, you, you got to build into the tournament. I thought what was pleasing for the UAE was the age of their goal scorers and the profile of the players. You know, yay Al is twenty five. Then you got um, Sultan, who's who's nineteen, um, uh, and and a twenty two year old scoring as well, whose name escapes me. But I think that's really pleasing for the UAE going forward. That there is this. New younger generation coming through, so I think, yeah, for on on the whole, the the performance of the Arab teams, I say it's part of the course, as Pete said. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad you
0: mentioned Yahya Al Ghassani there. Someone we've been keeping an eye on for a few years over here. You know, like you know, I, I remember you know I first saw him, you know, as an 18 year old, and he kind of stood out. You know, it was all it was. Uh, uh, it's like in some in an Adidas tournament, and he was still like this, but. Uh, unattached to a club I think 17 or 18 and he like and he kind of stood out uh it's great to see his progress you know hopefully this tournament will be one of you know where he really makes a, a name for himself so that's uh, that's a really good one you know this brings us to Saudi Paul I mean they're um you know the out of the Arab teams I've already mentioned that you know probably the most fancied out of the Arab teams you know strong league we know we've spoken about about all what's going on there uh you know with the positives and negatives obviously like playing with all these great players improves the league brought you know has lifted the standards uh but of course the the other side of the coin is that a lot of players don't get playing time you know with all these foreigners so there there's there's a lot that we've uncovered in the past is uh, with you as well uh but i mean the big story is uh you know mancini's uh, press conference which i mentioned earlier um it, what, what what's your take on that
3: it was explosive uh, i it, it was it came from nowhere, really. I mean, the the omission of those players had certainly raised headlines coming into this tournament, and I guess naturally he was going to be asked about that. But you'd expect in in those situations that the coach would probably keep something like that in house and and not air the the dirty laundry, so to speak. But I guess I guess he probably wanted to put a, a bit of a line in the sand, really, um, and make it clear that these are the expectations going forward that no individual. Is bigger than the team, and of course, the players have denied what he said. So we'll have to see what what comes from that. But you know, if, if you take what he said at, at face value, that he's putting a line in the sand that that says to all the players that are within the camp and those that are aspiring to get into the camp that you know this is what I expect from you going forward. Um, it was absolutely explosive, and it's 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 created this sort of air of negativity now around Saudi Arabia going into that opening match. It's probably a distraction that they can do without. I know after he answered the question, he said, that's it, I won't be answering any more questions about it. But that's not going to be the end of the story. The players have now had their say. And I guess it's over now to the the Federation as to what are they going to do in this situation. But they've they're kind of snookered a little bit because they've, they've got no real alternative other than to back... Um, Roberto Mancini in this situation. To do anything otherwise would be to undermine his authority um, and to do that so soon into his reign, you may as well just sack him if that's going to to be the case. So it's created this really interesting conundrum around Saudi Arabia at the moment because coming into this tournament, as you said, they were the, the most favoured of the Arab teams, even if their form necessarily since the World Cup hasn't um, necessarily been the best, um, but it's now created this air of um, of negativity around the team and it's going to be fascinating to see now how they respond when they actually get get out onto the pitch
0: yeah I mean uh, for me, Paul, particularly, and I know you're a fan as well, you know we, we we've all loved uh, Salman and Faraj over the years, you know a fantastic player for been fantastic for Saudi Arabia, also the fact that if you remember, obviously, in the World Cup, got injured in that first match against uh, Argentina, uh, so missed the rest of the tournament and obviously missed uh, a lot of the games since then as well, yeah. you know. So, you know, potentially in a sad end, a, potent, you know, a potential end mm. to uh, his uh, uh, international career. We'll wait and see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, for me, it's quite sad because just one of my favourite players uh, in, in the region. But moving on to the actual match itself, You know, you would think that Saudi Arabia will still have enough to beat Oman.
3: You would think so. I mean, Oman are a real surprise packet in the last round of of World Cup qualifying. Let's not forget they got that win over Japan at at Saitama Stadium as well. They proved themselves to be no pushovers. Branko Ivankovic is still in charge. So I I think that continuity is going to hold them in good stead, they're always a little bit of an, an unknown quantity when they come into to tournaments like this because, you know, so much of the focus in, in the golf and the Arab world is on is on the teams and the leagues in um, in the UAE, in Qatar, in Saudi Arabia, there's not much attention that actually gets paid to domestic Amani football. So they're always a bit of a, an unknown quantity coming in because we don't get to see a lot of their players in week-to-week action unless you're watching, you know, the AFC Cup or, or something along those lines. So it would be fascinating to see what tests they can uh, put to Saudi Arabia. I remember in the last round of World Cup qualifying, I think Saudi Arabia got the, the win on both occasions, but they were close and, and tightly fought matches. So um, I'm expecting a little bit the same again tonight. But given everything that's happening, um, it's a real opportunity for Saudi Arabia to, to make a statement and put that behind them with a, uh, with a performance. You know, they can get a win by a couple of goals. That really sort of put some clean air between the comments from Mancini and now moving forward in this tournament.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you, you know how's how's the interest in Australia? How how's uh, how the fans uh, like? Obviously, there's there's always interest in um, in Australian national team, but like in general, you know, are, are people is is it something that uh, um, you know people are are into? Of course, you and I we always reminisce about 2015 when I when I came to Australia and we and <laughs> was that fantastic tournament uh, and there was a lot of interest then. But obviously, that was being held in Australia. Do, do you still you know has that been built upon? You know, like do people you know enjoy this tournament
3: they do i don't think it's been built on built upon enough since 2015 i think that momentum that was generated from that tournament has probably not been capitalized on to the fullest it's really difficult because of the time zones back here that the matches are are being played um, you know the the, the Generally, the three matches that we've got each day, the earliest of those is around about 11 p.m. in the evening uh, if you're in one of the big cities like Sydney or Melbourne. The other games are at, you know, 2 and 5 o'clock in the morning. So you're only going to be a diehard if you're getting up for those matches. There's obviously interest in Australia and how Australia is performing. Um, I think generally there there is interest. There may not be people necessarily waking up in the middle of the night who to watch it, but certainly those those earlier kickoffs, if I can put it like that, that have involved, I think so far, Australia, Japan... Korea the big teams from this side of the continent you know just using social media as a guide and the, the amount of people that are commenting on the matches certainly there is interest in, in people general football fans here that are watching those matches to matches and taking an interest in the tournament and I think as you get deeper into these tournaments the interest levels levels really spike up particularly if Australia is going to go deep in the tournament as well that's when the real interest levels will really peak here
0: interesting point uh, Paul. because i was actually my next question was going to be precisely on that we've already mentioned like uh, quite a lot in, in the build-up to the tournament in, in recent weeks that you know with eight teams being knocked out of the 24 you know one win really gets you through should get you through to the uh, to the mm-hmm. next round and we've already mentioned today that there hasn't been that many surprises so you know it, it's still you know we have a lot of interest in the tournament of course it's very exciting uh but in just in terms of there's been no shocks, you know, like, you know, we, you know, the results have been part of the course. You know, as you say, is it really the, the the knockout stages where this tournament will really take off?
3: I think so because, as you said, you go from 24 to, to 16, so you're only losing eight teams when you get to the, the round of 16. So you've still got a lot of teams left in the tournament and then you get to the, the knockout football where the real interest um, comes and... Um, I think that's when you're going to see, you know, the likes of, you know, Japan potentially come up against the likes of Australia or potentially a Australia versus Saudi Arabia is a potential quarterfinal. Um, Korea versus Iraq, I think if they both finish, uh, I think if Korea finished top of their group, Iraq finished second in their group there online to meet, Um, in the round of 16 which you know based on their performances so far is going to be an absolutely cracking match so I think when you get to those and you've got more of the heavyweight teams playing against each other then certainly I think not just here in Australia but across Asia more generally that's where a lot of the interest is going to come from because that's when um, that's when the rubber hits the road as they say
0: fantastic stuff Paul thank you so much for incredible insight as usual whenever
1: we have you on the show cheers guys appreciate it Paul but uh, it, there's no escape from our tradition. Uh, you know that I always come in. He, did you see that Ali? He was he was he was beetling out the he's studio. Strategy, um, <laughs> Ali shut the door. So we've got you. Listen, we want to put you on the spot, mate. Um, firstly, what's your prediction? Actual score prediction for Saudi against Oman. And then, as a bit of extra fun for a big clash between your own Socceroos and Syria, give us the scores on the doors from your expert opinion.
3: Ooh, I'm in two minds about Saudi Arabia as to whether the, the Mancini um, saga is going to galvanise them or, or split them. Um, I'll, I'll take the glass half full approach and say it's going to galvanise them So say Saudi Arabia win that 3-1 uh, and mm-hmm. Australia against Syria, uh, Australia 2-1 in that game.
1: Awesome. Uh, I tend to agree. You know, I, I, I think Mancini's been clever here. Um, I, I'm. It may come back to bite me, but I think that he's trying to, he's trying to, to, to onside the crowd with him and galvanise. So uh, I, I think that approach, well, it will remain to be seen. Um, absolutely brilliant to see Paul again. Great stuff. Ali, as always, uh, the last word goes to you and you don't escape either. Prediction for Saudi's opener, please.
0: I, I I agree with Paul uh and yourself I think I think they will have enough to win this one I really do um and also Paul mentioned earlier in you know in the show he said you know like it really could a good win you know or you know sort of like a a positive win could banish all the negativity so I'm gonna go for
1: Saudi to uh Oman nil amazing great stuff uh, gents uh, for, from a from a host's perspective thank you so much because if ever there was an insight uh, from two experts of their field we've just had it absolutely amazing that's it uh, for another action-packed episode of dowry and we'll see you on the next one